let's talk with Trent R. Nelson here with you this morning. And we have, well, we have somebody who likes to get dirty. What kind of dirty, you might ask? The traditional ground and soil kind of dirty. We have gardening expert and North State NPR Cultivating Place host Jennifer Jewell joining us this morning to chat about gardening, about seeds, about her newest book, What We Sow, on the personal, ecological, and cultural significance of seeds that was released in September. And if you listen to our programs, then you'll be well aware that there's a good chance we'll get into other topics of discussion that branch off, pun intended, from <laughs> from our first discussion. Jennifer, such a pleasure to have you on this morning. Thank you for joining us. Oh, I'm really happy to be here. Thanks for the invitation and excited to dig in, as it were. <laughs> oh, this is fantastic. Uh, <laughs> people are either going to hate listening to this or they're, they're going to... Uh, well, they're going to find quite the yield of of puns and uh, of garden-related humor. But before we get into all of the particulars about the soil, we need to know more about you, Jennifer. And, of course, what got you into, into horticulture, into agriculture, into gardening, into all of these things that come from, from our earth? Well, I am the very, very fortunate human of being in being the second daughter of a professional gardening mother and a wildlife biologist father. And my my two sisters and I were raised at about 8,000 feet on the front range of the Rockies in Colorado, which is not the easiest place to garden in most traditional kind of European models of gardening, but was a beautiful place of native plants. And my mother made a beautiful native plant and habitat garden, although I I wouldn't have referred to it as that in my childhood. It was just her garden. And it was also full of fruits and vegetables. And it wasn't until I was a young adult and looking at entering into my own career, which started off as a writer and editor uh, in the technical field of, for Microsoft's Encarta Encyclopedia of all places, that I came to understand that not everybody was raised with these particular privileges of knowledge and place that I was. And I really wanted to explore what why that was the case and what that meant to our larger world and how we as gardening humans, no matter where we are or how we came to it, what the word garden even means to us, right? It might be a pot on your windowsill, Trent. It might be a big community garden plot full of culturally important plants and vegetables and flowers to your background. It might just be your little front garden in suburban America. But Seeing gardeners as really intersectional agents and spaces for change environmentally, culturally, spiritually, and even economically has been my task these last 10 years as a radio host and podcaster. And all of that kind of comes together in my this third book, What We Sow. So that's me. Well, it is remarkably impressive, and we appreciate the work that you have carried on from your folks, especially over the last 10 years, as you noted. It is something to be remarkably proud of, to do things that can positively affect all people. This is perhaps the greatest point that we might have in this life. Now, 
we'll just jump right into it because it was such a wonderful transition from from your life story to to your book. What is the significance of of a seed, Jennifer? Well, my my first and most comprehensive answer is everything. Right? Like you look out your window, Trent, wherever you might be, wherever listeners might be right now, look out your window and in all likelihood, any plant that you are seeing in your view shed, whether it's the weeds in the cracks as you drive by something, or it's a field, or it's your garden, or it's a park, it's a suburban or urban street, almost any plant there is likely among the seed-bearing plants. And so not only do they dominate the planet, they comprise about 80% of plant life on the planet, these seed-bearing plants. They also make up the vast majority of either what we eat or what we eat eats. And, And that's amazing. But they are also really important in medicine and in beauty and in environmental health of our air, our soil, and our water. So for me, you know, especially when you even drill down into the wood of our houses or the cotton on our clothing, in our clothing, these all come back to the importance of one seed-bearing plant being able to reproduce and provide this abundance for us. (laughs) So it's everything. What an answer, but there is evidence of the value of that answer, Jennifer Jewell. We appreciate the honesty there. And what we sow does not only appraise the personal, the ecological, but the cultural. And the cultural seems to be a wonderfully broad brush in this instance, because as you're writing notes, culture extends into our economic perspective as well, correct? And so there is money to be made in seeds and in certain catchwords, right? Such as perhaps organic. Yeah. Now, if we could talk a bit about how, as it's termed, agribusiness functions with these with these words like organic, with food supplies such as corn and soy, and well, let's talk more about seeds as well. Right, it's so true, and so like that word, that phrase, the cultural significance of seeds, really is for me an exploration of the many different expressions of it, and that really is sort of the tension, I would say, at the heart of what I spent two or three years researching and some way my whole life being a student of these plants and the seeds that produce them is this worldview on the one hand, where at this point in the the economic sector of seeds, there are four large international petrochemical pharmaceutical companies, Bear Monsanto being one of them, who control about 60% of the multi-billion dollar seed industry. Now, this could include packets of seed that you pick up for your home garden in a big box store, but they certainly include the vast majority of our commodity crop seeds. So think sunflower oil, think canola and corn oil and animal forage food stuff. Think 
soy and all of the byproducts from soy. And then think of all the millions of acres of certainly the United States, if not North America writ large, that are planted out in these seeds, which are often pre-prepared to be, quote unquote, roundup ready, meaning they are genetically modified to be able to withstand an application of Roundup when they are planted out in the field so that the Roundup will not kill this plant and its seed food, but will kill all the weeds around it. That is just one of the many chemical applications that many of these commodity seed crops are covered with. The next part of that cocktail are the neonicotinoids that seeds are coated or soaked in in order to allow them resistance to insect, fungal attack. But these neonicotinoids, which are endocrine disruptors, insect life, are turning out, despite uh, lots of reassurance from the EPA that they are not that bad, they are turning out, especially when they are combined and aggregated over time in a place, to be killing our soil, harming our surface water and groundwater after that, and also badly damaging the lives of the insects that we rely on as pollinators in our world. So, that's one cultural worldview in which we have so controlled and over-engineered our control of these plants in order to have them serve us or they, you know, at least serve the profits of the people who are earning those profits off of these crops. And then you see this other cultural worldview that is very much in strong representation in our world right now in smaller areas by smaller groups of people, but still put them all together. And they are a small, still, but mighty force. And these are cultural seed keepers uh, of indigenous cultures across North America. They are seed keepers of the African diaspora, the Asian diaspora, and lots of small diversified family farms across the U.S. really working to try and protect and support the integrity and the natural processes of seed with soil, with clean air, with clean water, producing clean food that is then able to be shared and saved to keep passing on time immemorial. Those are the two cultural worldviews that I'm really kind of trying to explain so that readers can then say to themselves, as I said to myself, which worldview do I want to put my energy, my dollars, and my heart behind? Absolutely brilliant. And we appreciate the thorough explanation here on uh, Let's Talk. Trent R. Nelson here with Jennifer Jewell, podcast host, a gardener, garden writer, garden educator, an advocate, advocate, as they would have said in a different language once upon a time. Now, <laughs> with that noted, I've done many an interview recently with individuals who have written books concerning the earth. And, mm -hmm. of course, invariably, they deal with humanity's influence upon the earth and a thread that continues to crop up in these discussions has to be <laughs> the dualistic nature of man with nature mm. alluded to in your language subdue and subjugate 
instead of mm. function together and through cooperation. We have a very antagonistic look at the earth and, you know, these tricks of ours to create better probability for the growth of food, everything has consequences. All of these things that we have innovated across hundreds of years, they have consequences and it's only when it's a little bit later that we determine that those are probably not fantastic. Yeah. So, as you noted just a moment ago, and I'd love to get back to this before we let you go, you are a very busy individual, a gardener, of course, writer, activist, all of that. Let's talk about these activists more. Let's talk about how they are working, whether it be indigenous groups or any other grassroots groups of, of people looking to protect these heirloom seeds, regenerate them, and allow for more people to experience them as uh, they were once able to. Right. Well, I think, you know, the beginning of that exploration comes back to something and, and how you phrase the got us into this question. I think it's important to note that not all humans across time and space have had this antagonistic relationship or this one of control and subdue the way that many of us who are European descent have had, that industrialized nations have taken this worldview to perhaps its nadir, let's not say apex, its nadir of seeing all the other living lives on the planet other than human as inanimate objects to be used by us for our purposes. And in the, you know, capitalist, consumer-based, profit-driven world we do happen to live in, those systems that we live in, make sure that all of that subjugation comes with profit at the bottom line. But not everybody has always treated or seen the rest of the lives on the planet this way. And while we live in that bubble here in, you know, 2023 United States, not all of the groups who live in 2023 United States have seen the world this way. Land-based peoples who have been gardening the land around them, stewarding it, caring for it, living symbiotically with it, they would have dominated it to their own detriment. These kinds of cultures have seen the trees, the birds, the insects, the water, the air as other living entities who deserve respect and a place and the right to live out their natural processes. And so the objectifying and commodifying of these relationships has led us to the place we are now. These other cultural seed keepers are offering up an alternative vision of what it means to live in the world with the other creatures who make our world possible. I mean, in the book, I point out that if we see our planet as being controlled by four primary elements, earth, air, fire, and water, without the introduction of the seeds and the seed-bearing plants that now feed, clothe, house, and sustain us, without the introduction of the seeds, earth, air, fire, and water do not equal a livable planet. They equal a planet prior to plants and people being able to survive here. So getting ourselves back into touch with exactly what we find essential, which I think we're in this window of time where the COVID pandemic and even the social justice resets that we are still looking at, fighting out across our globe, these are giving us 
an opportunity to ask ourselves what is important and what is essential. And for me, it came down to changing my European descent worldview and trying to put my time and voice and energy behind one that is more respectful and truly sustainable for people and places. And we love it. When we spoke to Dr. Carl Safina, he very much echoed what you just said. He blamed Plato, and, <laughs> and that's fine. We read Plato a bit a bit progressively here, but he, he deserves a bit of criticism once in a while. Now, we should do a good job, if we do care about the earth and the environment, of learning how, as you noted, others, other cultures across time and and history have, as you noted, looked at existence, looked at those things around them. There were native tribes across the Americas that used to, if I remember properly, avoid making noise around trees that were just in bloom, as though they were newborns. And this sort of, as you said, sense of things being alive in the same sense that we are. I think a lot of it comes down to, in terms of as you noted, that European mindset, things cannot be equal because should they be equal, our domination or subjugation of them could not be morally uh, reconciled, Mm -hmm. right? So all things have to be less so that we can reconcile how we treat them. And so these are perhaps things that, of course, what we sow on the personal, ecological, and cultural significance of seeds alludes to in so many ways. And what fascinating reading when we got a chance to take a look at it. Jennifer Jewell, the host of the national award-winning weekly public radio program, Cultivating Place. It is so wonderful for you to have joined us today, and we are very thankful for it. Thank you for the conversation and the education. Thank you very much for the opportunity. It's been a great pleasure to talk about these things with you. And we look forward to having you back sometime to discuss more about getting dirty and how great it can be for everyone. For everyone. Go get dirty. You you heard it here first, folks. Jennifer Jewell says, go get dirty. Nature will thank you for it. Let's talk with Trent R. Nelson. Get dirty in nature, folks.